my voice counts when it comes to things like public transit. Everybody's voice does. If you use it and you need it and it's important to you and other people use it and need it and it's important to them and you like them, you know, we're, we're all in this together. So I would, um, I think it's probably in the, in the interest of being a, uh, responsible elder now, uh, newly 40, 40. you are 40. So you're Um, an elder. And yeah, my teeth haven't fallen out, and I still have a, a voice to speak with. Wax on about how much so, you, you wanna you wanna be back and be twenty. Oh, then you're, then you're filling in the David, David Himmel. Yeah, then you're channeling yeah. the David Himmel thing. I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel, and this is the Literate Apecast. that the Literate Ape cast is recorded for adults with adult themes and language. If you are easily offended, best to cover your ears. But then why listen to a podcast, dumbass? All right, welcome to the podcast. This is podcast episode 122. I'll tell you, David, because he got a day job or whatever the fuck it is that he's doing, is uh, his schedule is completely fucked. And so this week... He basically let me know that there was just no way we were going to be able to record. And uh, so what we had decided was maybe we just would take the break the week off. And I went, fuck that noise. And so my uh, very capable uh, co-host today is Dana German. I'm going to do my best to channel David Himmel. So you have to be Um, neurotic. So I have to be super neurotic. I have to occasionally talk about therapy I have to um, mention Daddy's boat uh, at least one time in casual <laughs> conversation. Um, I have to uh, talk about how I'm either constipated or I need to go like polish polish my ba- brass Weegians. No, bass bass Weegians. Those sure. are the old school. Uh, and then wax wax on about your uh, wax on your, mid, your midlife. Yeah. Your midlife crisis. All right. Well, whole, I thought it would whole be very life appropriate crisis. today, uh, given that it's you and I, and we are <clears throat> talking about, uh, I mean, we're, we're doing a, the ape cast. Um, so I thought I, you and I are uniquely uh, <clears throat> qualified at this point to talk about how's Vegas after a year. We actually well, have been in Vegas for just a little bit over a full year since we yeah. moved out from Chicago. David uh, would be very qualified to talk about this too, but it's been a long time since, since he's he lived, here, lived yeah. in Vegas. And another thing that makes me more qualified to to kind of channel David is that I'm hungover. Yes, right you are now. hungover. You went um, saw bands last night. So uh, that's that's one of my um, off off book three things is don't don't the anti three things like or six things don't drink Budweiser, don't do it. Well, you know, that's all right. All right. Now, you mentioned that. Now, this is in, in, in the conversation about House Vegas, just, and everybody that, that listens already knows the situation is that about a year, just a little over a year ago, we moved to Las Vegas from Chicago. Today, we went to our, today, March 1st, well, the, the, the day that we're recording this, not yeah, the this day that you're hearing it. You're hearing um, it on the 2nd. Uh, we went to First Friday here at um, Art Square downtown. Um, you know, Main Street for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Um, which is a wonderful introduction to like 
this is sort cool. of the indie art scene. Yeah, yeah, this is cool stuff that's going on. Yeah, and it, it, it it's just one of those things. Um, one of those things that uh, that that I think is interesting about I was you were you were talking about something. One of the things that's well, let let me go to the beer thing real quick. It's one of the things that I absolutely know that uh, has been my experience. And at this point, as that we, if your wife doesn't have to drive, she's going to get plowed. No, yeah, well, no, um, no. Is that uh, you say don't drink Budweiser? And the thing that I've noticed is drink green tea uh, right away. If you want to find good beer in Vegas, yes. You gotta fucking look for it. Chicago, just about every single bar is gonna have at least some well, really good beer. The not craft beer, the craft beer thing is cropping up. Here's yeah. here's one in thing. In Henderson, but not so much in Vegas. Uh, well, there's a lot of craft. It, beer it remains to be seen because yeah. we, you know we went to Scenic, a brewing company, which, which is great. phenomenal, and I I'm maybe that's technically Summerlin. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I think it's around, mm-hmm. like, uh, I think it's just sort of hiding. It's not a... Yeah, most bars that have... And, and this it's only is, a matter of critical mass for this to get valued I think it's going to start, yeah, I think it's going to start, especially with all, I mean, you know, that's the thing, if you're not a part of Las Vegas, you don't even give a shit about this, but there's been a huge, huge, huge influx of Californians leaving California because it's too fucking expensive to live there, moving to Las Vegas. And so we're getting there. I think we're at the start of sort of, I won't call it a mass movement, but sort of a, a sea change in some of the culture here in Las Vegas, which is really fascinating to me to watch. And the fact that we're kind of here for it and we're part of it um, has been interesting. But one of well, the things... And, I, and it's not just Californians. I, um, I am really... I think we really have a nice, unique perspective um, if we can, you know, be here from a place that's... Because people expect us to be a transplant from California, I'm noticing. Yeah, yeah, they expect that you just came from California. And when you say you're from Chicago, that's my experience, especially in the casino floor. My experience is that when people are like, oh, so how long have you been in Vegas? I say about a year. Where you come from, Chicago, and the and the, people the change, are yeah the change from sort of like I'm kind of wary of you to oh Chicago right they, right they're very excited to see somebody that's not from yeah. California which is so, really interesting so as I'm standing in backstage bar and billiards which is on Sixth Street on on Fremont at Sixth Street last night which um, if you are a Chicagoan uh, is kind of like. Fremont's like across between well this particular venue um reminded it had a little bit of a double door vibe and it just kind of made me go wah wah double door i miss you but i i was um listening to some music and some live music and, and wrote this on behalf of anyone from anywhere else uh i apologize to las vegans who feel they have been encroached upon Here's the good news. You are getting artists and people who have been pushed out of other cities U.S.-wide, not just Californians, and we're all at your mercy. Help us understand what's going on and be a part of the beauty and magnificence that this place offers. What lessons can we bring from our old dwellings to this city of light and fortune, of grit and grift, of remade personage and reclaimed glory? Ooh. See, that's what Dana, Sexy! See, that's, what Dana, that's what Dana Derman does when she goes to see a punk rock show. Is she gets get all drunk poetic and, and shit. she writes poetic <laughs> shit on her phone. That's 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 kind of how that plays out. Hey, we all take notes on our phones. That's now. true. Well, you know, one of the things you said, and and I've noticed this. Uh, you were talking about because uh, before you went to 
the show last night, you went to a, a band practice space because you'd met. Yes, you'd met a some place called members. TK Studios on Mead yeah. Avenue, which you is met close some band to members and, where we and live. So you went over there and listened to them play, and they were yes. talking. You talked about how they had auditioned a lot of singers, and they all kind of ghosted. And what that made me think of is, and this is something I'm noticing, is that if you're not the, the Vegas scene, is uh. It's it's what everybody knows Vegas is, is it's 44 million people coming in from fucking Idaho, Indiana, and Iowa, all the I states. And they fly in, and they, <laughs> and they walk around, and they look at the fucking neon and the glamour of the strip, and then they fucking split. They spend their money, and they go. Sure. And there's that, and that's what everybody's familiar with, but there's a whole lot of fucking Las Vegas that nobody really talks about. Oh, my and God, the and people this, couldn't be nicer. Oh yeah. Those Those... Super nice gentlemen people. regular Las treated me like gold. Yeah. Like I, I came into the practice space and it wasn't like I was encroaching on their territory. It was clean. They offered me a seat. They offered me a beard. Yeah. They offered me earplugs three times. Yeah. And I was like, no, I got them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it covered. <laughs> you know, they couldn't what, have been nicer. But one of the things I noticed about the because I, I won't I don't want to I don't want to insult the Las Vegas scene and call it a burgeoning arts scene, but mm. it is very small. Uh, as opposed to like Chicago where you've got, I mean, just the art scene is huge. The theater scene is huge. The music scene is huge. The stationary art scene is huge. Well, the because that city is big. Is yeah. Here, I mean, that was one of the things when I when first got here. So basically I was told the, the sort of the live lit, if you want to call it, you know, however you want to call it, that kind of scene, the yes. spoken word, the poetry, the... It's about 500 people in the entire city that are kind of the center of that, right? Mm. I would say, and that's like First Fridays, it seemed like it was pretty big. But for us, you know, there were probably in that whole mess, maybe three or 400 artists and everybody else was there. And one of the things that I'm noticing about Vegas, and this goes to jobs, it goes to artistic pursuit, all that kind of stuff, is there is a sense of that improv team in the probably late 90s early aughts where no one wants to commit to anything full time mm. they're jumping they're basically gonna i'm gonna join this band or i'm gonna join this group or i'm gonna join this job and they're in chicago well, no yeah. here oh okay. here they're jumping into things with this sort of like service <sighs> level lens of i'm not gonna throw in because maybe there's something better that's going to be just right around the corner. Or I'm going to throw into too many things because I want to wait for the one that's going to pay the most. And it's a really interesting... I mean, it's not... See, you're noticing that here. Yeah, I'm noticing... I'm, I'm, and part of it is I think it's the transients. Part of it is the casino uh, culture. Like, And that, that is the major does any, industry does, here. Does it have anything to do with... Um, proximity to LA and like people you, dipping their toes I don't, without that I going there. I haven't experienced that, but what I have experienced is like the casino culture, which is the major, I mean, it's the major corporate culture in the city. I mean, duh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. But what I notice is that casino culture really looks at sort of the concept of the hourly employee is almost expendable. It's just like, it's super transient. And so I wonder what it's like to actually book a gig here. Yeah, I don't so think I, it's easy. Well, you know, in your experience with the bands, and my experience with it is is unless like the Rum Runners, Scott Hertestein, his his group. Oh man. And, and he's they, from, and if you're in Chicago, uh, he plays Green Mill a lot, so you should check him out. But the Rum Runners, when you show up, they start on time. They are professional. They've got their shit together. They're all dressed to the nines. Yeah, they are, too, they take man. that they take that gig seriously. Um the gigs you've talked about and other stuff that I've seen, 
they don't start on time, not even fucking close, not even like within a half an hour of on time. Well, and there's this sort of loose, it's what well, we went But to, still, it's not, it's not rock and roll time the way Chicago is rock and roll time. Yeah, it's a it's, different vibe. It still starts closer to on time here. Oh, does it? Um, I think, well, here's the, I think it's affected by the 24 hour city phenomena, which is... Um, has a lot to do with people's work schedules. Uh, when they can work Mm -hmm. is a wider window. So, um, I mean. And a lot of the audiences, I mean, that's the thing is, again, this is a non-Chicago thing. Vegas Mm. really is as a 24-hour, there are three time periods. You know, Chicago is mostly... Um, unless you're, you know, bartender, or you're working in a restaurant. Chicago's mostly a nine to five town. Yes. You know, and downtown closes down about ten o'clock. But every all the other. Oh my god! Some nights earlier. Yeah, all the night. Other, here <laughs> it's gonna feel dead at seven. Here nothing shuts down at nine o'clock or ten o'clock. But what what you have is you your audience are all working service jobs, um, and they are either working the morning shift, which is generally like six a.m. to two p.m. The swing shift, which is generally 2 p.m. to 11 p.m., or the graveyard shift, which is generally, you know, like midnight to 6 a.m. or 11 sure. p.m., that kind of thing. And so what you have is you have these waves of people that would come to small art. I mean, and when I say small art, I'm talking like what, what we'd call in Chicago local, storefront. storefront. Local art. Well, I, yeah. would, I would rather live in a place like Vegas where um, everybody's got, you know, all ten fingers in different pies, but there aren't so many of us that we can't like work at cross purposes and see each other out doing things yeah. all the time. Yeah, and I'm not finding that to be as much the case as I would like. But what I'm really noticing is that the big thing right now. Well, that I, culture is changing. Yeah, it the, used the, to be hyper local, and yeah, now it's hyper local. And now what I'm seeing a lot of is uh, the stand up scene. Is really and they and that is the proximity to L.A. The stand-up scene is a lot of. How There's a do lot I of room famous. to cut your teeth in a big room yeah. here and get get an audience from all over the world. Yeah, uh, and I love how how Vegas is kind of international in that way. And where I'm working now at this uh, tutoring academy, which I see mostly Korean students, some Indian students. Um, you know, all of whom are American kids. They, uh, English is a native language for them. They're, some of them, it's, they're so young and they only hear their mom speaking Korean at home. So, cause mom's not great at English. So to have to kind of approach things from an ESL perspective is, is interesting. But the, these, the tutors too, my, my cohort are from, some are from Vegas, some are from, you know, further afield. Yeah. Ohio. Um, yeah, Ohio. Yeah, Denise is from Ohio. Yeah. yeah, my my lead English tutor. So, um, so that I love, and also you know, at the same time, I don't necessarily love that. I guess this is anywhere you go. Like, if you can find, you got to take the work where you can find it. And in some cases, people are doing two and three jobs. Oh yeah, and a lot so of people are working it's hard multiple to, jobs, and, and yeah. well, part of it is because I mean that's what I was talking to, talking to some uh, my security chief at the casino, and he's from LA, and we were kind of talking about like standard of living versus and and the 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 fucking minimum wage in Vegas is so low, mm. it's just 
like nationally one of the lowest you can have. On the other hand, um, and I told you this that I yeah. hadn't even thought about it is like the sort of the metric that you and I remember hearing this for years in Chicago that the metric for like a healthy salary versus expenditure kind of thing is that about a third of your monthly take home should go to housing. And in That's 30 right. years at, in, in Chicago, no matter how big or small my fucking apartment was, I never even came close to 30%. It was always, oh, it's bad. it was it's always, bad. which is, which is why half, Chicago is still at a bleed. Yeah, it was at least half of my income went to paying rent to sometimes 70% of my income to paying rent. Cause housing is such a priority here however this might be the first time in 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 three decades i can say my take-home pay versus my rent my rent is about 30 percent of what yeah i make and that's and i like, think the, that's well, one of the benefits of a place the like lawmakers here aren't i mean lawmakers are corrupt right generally Always, but not but, as corrupt as chicago yeah <laughs> chicago i mean that's that's sort of it's so funny to kind of come to sin city and realize like there are some people that have really looked out for, you know, whether or not they were affiliated with the mob back in the day, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, having a, having a discussion about the culinary union would yeah. extend this podcast quite a bit, I think. But um, just that, God, I lost my train of thought. The lawmakers are really careful about how they tread forward here with regard to things like raising minimum wage and raising the sales tax. You know, they're trying to fund the hand, schools. Law, lawmakers are very good about saying, all right, let's outlaw homelessness and make sure that nobody's sleeping. Because the thing about it yeah, is... Yeah, you're taking the good with the... In Chicago... Short-sighted. If you're homeless and you sleep outside, there's a good chance at least half the time of the year you're going to die because it's so fucking cold. You're going to lose limbs. Yeah, that kind of thing. Here... You can sleep outside 365 days a year. Yeah, it gets cold. I mean, it's not like it's not like you know it's hot all the time, but it gets cold. But pretty much, it's clear. It doesn't rain that often. Um, there's no snow, and so you know, literally, you could sleep outside in Las Vegas 365 days a year and walk around with your fucking shopping cart, and you'd, you'd still survive. Not that it's a great, you know, that's not the great option, but you could still survive. Chicago. Well, and booze is, booze is cheap. <laughs> oh, it's super cheap. Um, mm. So if you want to be a wino, yeah. if you want to be a, you know, rough sleeping wino, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. And here, here well, and, and that, you know, it kind of, that feeds into, I think, some of that California laid back attitude. If you can sleep outside all the time, you know, for some people, it's like, why wouldn't you? You know, why pay rent? You can just go sleep in a park, and and it's gorgeous um, outside, and the weather you know is. Or in some beautiful. cases in L.A., like yeah. there are mini tent cities yeah. along the side of the road. Oh, they're here too. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a smaller city, so yeah, yeah. But there's still you know, there's still those those, those people but that I, are just kind of camping out really behind the, buildings. The, the takeaway that is so cool is that this city is. Uh, expanding so rapidly it's and the, things are changing so quickly that I'm, yeah. I've never lived in a place where um, things were changing like they are here by virtue of the influx of population. And there, there are lots of things to get excited about. You know, there's a uh, resorts world is being built on the strip. That's going to yeah. open in 2021. We're going to have a new museum by 2025 for art specifically. Yeah. Um, we've got, uh, you know, the Raiders, of course, there's going to be so much weird hoo-ha about that, and I don't, 
uh, who knows? Uh, who knows? Um, we could end up having another baseball stadium or, or something like yeah, that yeah. going on. So, um, yeah, they're going to build a baseball stadium at my casino because they're selling my casino. So it's a good chance that that property, that 96 dude, acres of are property. you going to have a job? Oh yeah. Well, then that, you know, we, you know, we've talked about the thing that's been very interesting about this is, you know, I never envisioned that I was going to be a casino. Manager. I'm not nervous on your behalf, but I just don't want you to like walk into work one day and well, notice that the doors are. The thing about it is, you know, and I've chain this, shut. I've heard the story. I told you the story. It's like it, uh, the, the sense I get, and it's not just where I work or the corporation that I that I work for stations. It's it it's it's kind of everywhere here. This is sort of the casino. Like I'm talking about, uh, you know, they kind of see workers as just sort of like no different than chairs kind of thing. Um, oh God. And, yeah. The and, back areas really are dingy yeah, and yeah, dull. Yeah. It's like the people who work on the strip stark. and off strip in casino, specifically in casino and yes. hotel are really seen as, as, as quite replaceable all the time, disposable all the time. But one of the things that like uh, the story is, cause I like the people I work with and I like my bosses and the, the people that I've met in their corporate structure all seem really, really nice. However, go. The story goes that, and this is, I started there in May. Well, January before, you know, like when we just got, like right before we just got here um, in the casino, they realized that the table games, you know, uh, live blackjack, uh, yes. live craps, live roulette, table games were not making a whole lot of money. In fact, they they balanced the books. They realized that, they, they, that, that it wasn't even making enough money to justify paying, paying the, the dealers. dealers. So what did they do? Um... And I've heard this story now from... As soon a as that math several, comes down... Well, I've, I've heard this story from a number of angles, so I'm pretty sure I have the right story, is that basically what they said was about five days before they shit-canned everybody, um, they put out a memo that there was going to be a special insurance meeting. Oh, God. And it was mandatory for all table dealers. And they probably had, like, I want to say probably like 15 table dealers. And these people have been working at this property for, I mean, some of them for 22 decades. 22 plus yeah, years, right? yeah. And uh, so you'd think they would be, there would be some sort of sense of, these people are part of our family, whatever you want to call it. Well, they <laughs> They're team them members. They all showed up, they all showed up to the mandatory meeting and they were informed uh, that they had lost their jobs and that this is the thing and they were, they were shit-canned. And by the time the meeting was over, they had already removed the tables. Like while they were in the meeting, the engineering staff was dismantling the blackjack table and the craps table and getting it and, and piloting in a truck, get rid of and, it. And uh, of, of those dealers, how many of them like turned right around and got jobs the next week? Well, and, and the thing you is, know? that I don't know. But so my my anticipation is, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people. Also, too, like if you get fired that way, if you get laid off, let go. Yeah. Um. Do they terminated, as it were, pink slipped, laid off, whatever? Yeah. <laughs> do you do you get your pay in? I have no idea what you would have accrued in vacation days. And I have like absolutely that? no idea. I okay. doubt it. You know, but my my and that's you know because the thing about it is is it came across on one of the the tweets of one of the sort of uh, good, solid, underground sort of news sources for this kind of thing. Yes. And it came across uh, last week where it was like, yeah, the, 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 the sale of the Wild Wild West is pretty much almost, it's, it's in imminent. its final stage. It's imminent. And everybody, and we've heard, I've heard these rumors. Well, since a I got sale there. doesn't mean it's going to operate any differently. 
necessarily. Yeah, this, this is Vegas. Trust me. This, uh, the, 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 I mean, okay. The holdout that the, like Circus Circus was sold by MGM. That that that's going to remain Circus Circus is a re- is it's a real pipe dream. It Circus Circus is often. a heartbreaker because but, that place deserves so much more. It should be rehabbed. Those rooms in the hotel haven't been but updated. It's, not, it's but it's not going to happen. And it's they're not tear it apparently down. it's not valued enough. The thing is, to, they're going to tear it down because that is the Vegas short term mentality. But anyway. What I told some of my team members, as the rumor started going around, and it, and I, I looked into it, and of course my boss can't tell me because that's just that's against policy. He, if he knows it's going to be sold, he can't tell oh us because, and the reason they can't is then everybody jumps ship, and then all of a sudden the place becomes a ghost town. Well, there's so, yeah. but it doesn't matter in the case of Wild Wild West. Yeah. There's already wind of it. And it's already being oh, yeah. passed oh, around, yeah. I'm, so I'm, people are already looking. Oh, yeah. people are already. I'm looking, you know. But yeah. uh, that's what I told one of my one of my uh, staff was. Uh, she was like, "So, so are they going to tell us?" And I said, "This is my this is, and I don't know. I've only been here a year, but my my supposition is that we won't know that this casino has been sold and is shut down until we show up for work and there's locks on the door. And I don't think that's necessarily different from almost any other place in the world, but with casino." It moves really fast like this. This is one of the things that I've noticed about sort of the casino mentality and maybe kind of connects to the idea that everybody's just looking for the next best thing all the time is that casinos, and I think it's fascinating, maybe it's just it's, it's one of the things you know if you're a player, if you go in and what you do is you gamble, the longer you gamble, the more money you're going to lose. It is absolutely in the math. Does it behoove stations to keep operating that property as a casino. Well, here's the thing. No. Okay. I mean, they make a lot of money at that casino, but you also got to remember they are leveraged to their fucking eyeballs. This, mm. this, you know, the, the Palms, and for those of you that aren't familiar, the Palms was a slightly off-strip high-end resort casino. It still is. And, well, they bought Stations Casinos, which is an off-strip casino corporation, bought the Palms, decided mm. they wanted to have another resort. They've got Red Rock, they've got... Green Valley, Green Valley Ranch. Ranch. So they got the Palms. Well, they fucked it up. And like, it, the thing is, the place is gorgeous. It's a beautiful space. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Except the Pearl Concert Theater is very nice. Except that it nice. is on Flamingo, about a mile off West the of the and, Rio, which is about yeah. as west as yeah. anybody's going to go. And I'm telling you, it's just not going to cater to the crowd that they think it's going to cater to. And it hasn't. And they, you know, they they did the Chaos Nightclub, and they really fucked up. And so they are, I mean, they're probably four or five hundred million dollars in the red because of that acquisition and just the whole mismanagement of how they kind of rolled it out. Well, well what so do you think their strategy is to reconcile fa- that? Well, they're looking for fast cash. Just and this, the thing about it is, this Wild Wild West property is ninety six acres less. Than a mile from the brand new Raider Stadium. They, okay, so the property itself and, is and, just worth. And the other thing you don't know is that apparently, bucks. apparently, stations when they bought the property bought <laughs> the buildings on the property and have been paying off the property, the land. Yes. They just finally sealed the deal and bought and the paid land. It off. Now so they own it outright. They now. own it outright, like within the last six months. Jesus. So if I so if I had wow. to guess. They're looking to unload this thing for 
a huge because the state the, the, they'll turn a major profit. The there. Raiders, the Raiders Stadium, they want this property worse than anybody else. I mean, they, they oh gotta God. want this. This, I mean, for nothing else, this could be just a fucking parking. A lot. huge parking structure could, be could go here. So this two parking kinda, structures because Polaris runs right in between. Yeah, this is kind of the Vegas thing. So. Just, uh, I'm going to go back to, to, so your experience, aside from sort of like the minutiae of casino stuff. Yes. What is a year in, what are your, what are your, some of your takeaways from either the differences between Chicago and Vegas or just your takeaways about living in Las well, Vegas? Well, one of the takeaways is I got to figure out how, cause, cause last night was really nice. I ended up going on a walk and it was over a half hour to get to. The studio on foot, um, in a neighborhood that's kind of, it has it's it's rough spots, um, and you know I'm by myself. It's dark. Uh, I I didn't at, at any time feel spooked. Um, you know you keep your wits about you in that in that way. But finding a way to get out of the neighborhood and walk or bike in several different directions and see what's around and kind of investigate the neighborhoods. Um, I mean, our apartment complex runs, backs right up to a park, a public park. That's actually a really nice park with tennis courts and, and a barbecue area and, and a whole open field for play and stuff like that. Um, so my one of my big takeaways is how do I cuz we you and I had talked about how this place it's there's an element of it that is strangely isolating and I haven't put my finger on that yet like what that is except to say that I do feel a bit public transit wise I do feel a bit locked in and so I need to figure out how to um make this city my own and enjoy it um, on foot and on the bike and not be intimidated by those distances. Um, and, you know, I'll drive, of course. Driving, I hated driving in Chicago. I pretty much refuse to do it. And here it's not so bad. Like, you know, there are drivers out there that are way worse than I am. So, and I'm, and I'm, I wouldn't call myself a, a bad driver. Um, <clears throat> I'm probably just as easily distracted as, as anyone. Uh, <clears throat> but figuring out how to embrace the public transit that's there, how to advocate and vouch for a more enhanced public transit, whatever that looks like. Um, I know that's on a lot of people's minds uh, it, and, and has been for Las Vegans who have, you know, are born and raised here and have lived here their whole lives. Um and so uh, there's room to to get it together. And that's one thing that I, you know, I did right away when I moved to Chicago. I got on that train. I rode all those train lines to the end. I wanted to see everything that I could see from the train. And then the bus system was really easy to figure out. So I just rode those buses, man. And that's the way, you know, if you can't, you can't cover a whole city on foot, not a city the size of Chicago, that's for sure. Um, so, so I didn't, you know, my voice counts when it comes to things like public transit. Everybody's voice does. If you use it and you need it and it's important to you and other people use it and need it and it's important to them and you like them, 
you know, we're, we're all in this together. So I would, um, I think it's probably in the, in the interest of being a, uh, responsible elder now, uh, yes, you newly are 40. 40, you are 40, so you're um, an elder. And yeah, my teeth haven't fallen out, and I still have a, a voice to speak with. Wax on about how much so, you, you wanna you wanna be back and be twenty. Oh, then you're, then you're filling in the David, David Himmel. Yeah, then you're channeling yeah. the David Himmel thing. Yeah, but that's a fool's errand. Yes, it is a fool's <laughs> errand. Yeah, yeah no. Um, the thing I, that, that I that I love about Vegas, and that's the thing is, I'm I'm finding that I actually really enjoy Vegas. And you're talking about the isolation. We went to the Nevada State Museum uh, a couple weeks ago. No, last week. And, uh, Located in Springs Preserve. Yeah, which was really interesting to me because one of the things that you really get a sense of is exactly what you just said is isolating for you is that people came to Nevada at the turn of the Latin, or like you know, 1905 is when kind of everything was uh, yep. like gold mine. Incorporated boom. in 1905. They came out here because they wanted that isolation. I mean, if you look at Nevada... Just all of Nevada. You basically have a whole bunch of people down here in the, the southern tip, which is Las Vegas. Yes. You have quite a few people up there in Reno. And the fucking rest of Nevada is just this giant desert. That's like so much of America. Pocket, but, but it's just these, it's not just like America. Because I said it's, that's like so much of oh, America. It's just these little pocket Concentrated towns, urban centers. But they're now, you've got concentrated urban centers, but most like Illinois. There are towns all up and down sure. Illinois. Nevada is these little spots of what used to be tiny little urban centers, mm. but are now are ghost towns. It is sort of like people went out, I mean, like at houses that are out in the fucking desert that are 40 miles from fucking anything. I was just reading about this strip of I-95 where it's 211 miles of fucking nothing. nothing. Hours of driving with nothing to see you but better desert. Have gas in your and car. then once in a while, you hit a ghost town or you hit Rhyolite or you end up, that's what I was reading about, you end up at the Clown Motel. I mean, it just, oh, it's God. just like, it's just this weird place <laughs> and they're very isolated. But it's kind of fun. But what my favorite thing about Las Vegas specifically has been, it is an entire city of, you've got the Strip, and then everything else, and everything else is basically a whole bunch of little strip malls. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. almost everything is just little strip malls, you know? Mm -hmm. And the Strip Mall is basically the storefronts of Chicago. But what I think is extraordinary is... You know, you'll go, it's like, I remember, going, it's like, all right, hey, there's there's a strip mall with a, an office depot, and then next to it is a CVS, there's a UPS next store. Next to that's a salon. And then there's this little pizza place. Yeah. Just, just random pizza place. Next to a shoe store. Yeah, next to a shoe <laughs> store. And you walk in, and the food is as good as anything you'd get on in Westtown in Chicago. I mean, oh, it's the, the fucking food. like, where did this guy... Jeff be- Jeff Carter, who just did a piece for the... The Weekly is the free magazine here, um, did a lovely piece. And he mentions that Vegas doesn't have any particular cuisine that is, you know, uh, originated in Vegas, that is of Vegas. This is and an I don't, international I don't, sort of melting pot. Yes, yeah. yes. And so... <clears throat> And earnestly a melting pot, not just a salad. Like, Chicago is a salad. Yeah, Chicago is a salad, and, and dogmatically so, yes. Yes. Um, this this place is, is a melting pot for sure. And so I don't necessarily think Jeff's right on that note. Um, 
because at Ellis Island Casino, yeah. I recently had my first uh, Las Vegas shrimp cocktail. That's Vegas right. Vegas shrimp cocktail. Vegas shrimp cocktail. Which is <laughs> not the same as a regular <laughs> shrimp cocktail. It's very Vegas. This yeah, it's served in a little ice cream dish and the cocktail sauce and the sh- little shrimp that's chopped up finely, um, and celery. Um, and I think that's about it. There may be one other ingredient in there is all just, you know, piled on with a little lemon wedge on top. And then you go to town, you yeah. get in there with your long handled fork or your spoon and but the, the, you know, yum. That's you know? the thing is like we're so at Ellis Island and I had the like spaghetti, that I had the, the, what it was, linguine meatballs. And that linguine meatballs was as good as anything that I could have gotten on Randolph oh, they're Street, doing food right. west yeah. of the Loop, and I mean, and so that's what I think is fascinating. You probably can't find great deep dish here, but there no. somebody's making an effort. I haven't had yeah. enough deep dish pizza here in this town. I haven't had any deep dish pizza in the. I have not town, had any deep dish to be here. able to tell. Well, we we ordered Chicago style deep dish pizza mm-hmm. at Metro, <laughs> and basically it was a giant calzone. <laughs> Pie yeah. with cheese on top. It was like this is not. It was unexpected. This is not a fuck. This is not a. Sh- and it was actually listed in that. the menu as a Chicago, Chicago deep style. Dish, yeah, Chicago style deep, deep dish, dish pizza. pizza. And they brought it. We both kind of looked at it like, what the fuck? Did we is order this? a calzone accident? I know. We ate it. It was tasty, but it was like there's nothing about this yeah. that's Chicago deep style. You know. So right. uh, that's 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 been very interesting. But that's one of the things I like. It's not just about the food. It's just these little pockets of like. It's like you go to the practice space. It's like it looked like an office building from the outside. You have no idea. And then all of a sudden oh, yeah. it's like, oh, this is this. There's just something. It's almost like every place is like this bizarre Aztec ruin. Except inside it's this awesome thing. So everything is the packaging. The strip is the packaging is amazing. And when yeah. you get into the back room... Eh, maybe not so amazing. Here, once you get off the strip, it's like the packaging. Nobody's put any time and effort into the packaging. But once you get inside, it's just this world of flavor or music or art or, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's, and I think that's like the arts district building is just, it doesn't look much. I mean, it's fine, but it didn't really look like much from the they've outside. They've made an effort to glitz up Well, they've made things. some effort, but it really still, like the door, it looks like something you'd see, like... It's like the Flatiron Building, where it just doesn't look like much. But even the Flatiron Building, when you go in the Flatiron on Milwaukee, yeah. it looks like just a crappy office building, you know. And then you go in, kind and, of, yeah. and, then and then it looks, it and then with the stairs, even even in Chicago, then the stairs sort of look like, eh, like a fucking Chicago public school circa nineteen thirty five. But then even the rooms are kind of dingy and not, you know, really. The Arts District building here on yeah. uh, Main Street, you go in and it's, you know, it's got some paint, but it just looks like they painted something on the side of a fucking office building. It's, it doesn't really look like much. It's, I mean, it's obvious that this is an art thing, but when you go in... There are lots of murals downtown. The and the rooms, but hold on, the art and the rooms, and they're all yes. so interesting and everything moves and it's just gorgeous inside. So it's really... You know, it's like it's like getting a, a pastry that looks like shit, and then you bite into it, and you go, "What the fuck? That's awesome!" That's Vegas. There's a, to me. There's a little bit of that, I guess. There, um, the weather definitely does have an an impact in in opposite ways. Like for three or four months out of the year, this place bakes like an oven, so oh, yeah. you can't leave anything out 
that you don't want the weather to just touch. Eat. Yeah, just to And, rip. you know, in, in Chicago, it's much the same way. You, you, I ride my bike through two winters. That that bike isn't going to do anything else yeah. ever um, if I don't take care of it. You can ride your bike through anything, and as long as you take care of it, you're good. But, um, but downtown, it, uh, the Fremont Street Quarter right now is really fucked up because there is just construction everywhere. There is road resurfacing, it seems, everywhere. Like, I thought construction was bad in Chicago when I left, and... And this place, there are pockets of it where it's just like... Perpetual. What? It's all... It's dusty and messy. But at the same time, there are... You know, right as that's going on, the next door to that, there's a mini park with pop-up... Art. Art. Well, statuary. statuary, Structure. Structural um, installations of street art. Yeah. uh, That are... um, Sculpt- that's sculptural. Yeah, the artistic weeds are definitely sneaking through the cracks <coughs> wherever they can. And I like that about Vegas. Um, even in some, you know, reclaimed neon, there, uh, there's a place called the Western Hotel, which is very near the bunkhouse, which is a closed casino. Uh, it would be great if that would kind of reopen and be a thing, because I think it's a cool-looking property, at least from the outside. But the neon sign is still... Working in it, and uh, somebody has constructed it so that it blinks. You'll see the full Western Hotel is lit up, and then you'll just see we hot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're having fun with it. And that, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple. There's some signage downtown that just like it'll make you laugh out loud, and it'll make you go, "Whoa, what is that?" And there's there are all sorts of ways to kind of grab from the outside, and that when you you know, even if something doesn't look all that great on the outside, you go in, you go, huh, whoa. And then you read up on it and you find out that it's got an even richer history that isn't right there that's apparent. Um, so, mag- magnifique, très magnifique. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. Do yoga, because okay. Don actually, like... Don doesn't do yoga. He has no room to shit mouth yoga. And in a littered eight piece, he put like yoga, uh, you know, he's kind of calling out yoga for being poor self care or something like that in a title. That, and I was like, you don't get to do that. That was not <laughs> what I said. Yoga. Right. It's not what, it's not what you said. Right. It was, it's actually a good piece, but. All right. So my first thing is. <laughs> do yoga. Read. Um, it is in the Believer uh, magazine, which is www.believermag.com. It is an article, uh, and this is actually a recent, it's a follow-up, by Amanda Fortini. It is called The People oh, of great. Las Vegas. The yeah. People of Las Vegas. It's actually a really good article. And and that's one of the things that I realized in doing some research is that there's just not a lot of books or articles written about the parts of Vegas that are not the Las Vegas Strip. So mm-hmm. uh, I, the people of Las Vegas, BelieverMag.com. That's my first thing. Your first thing is That's a good one. All right, um, second thing. Well, uh, read anything by John Longhi. I mean, he's, he's California at this point. I think he's a San Francisco um, transport. Uh, a, just anything by him. I'm reading uh, The Rise and Fall of Third Leg which is a band that he used to be in in, in college. Um, L-O-N-G-H-I 
uh, and first name John, J-O-N, John Longhe. Just great, fun writing. The first book I ever read of his was Wake Up and Smell the Beer. Um, and if so, if you want to get an idea of the punk aesthetic or read something that's funny and, and has some lively characters in it, any anything by him is good. All right. My second thing is a listen. Um, I want you to listen, just even, even if you don't have that much interest in it, listen to the Vital Vegas podcast. It's Scott Robin. Um, they are quite celebrated. If you look at the Vital Vegas, look up vitalvegas.com. Um, they have been around. They used to write the blog for Caesar's Palace, uh, or he used to write the blog for Caesar's Palace. He's got his fingers in a lot of areas. He's actually, um, I think he's the social media manager of the Fremont Street Experience. Um, and so he's got a lot of people. He's got the inside skinny. So if you want to know kind of what's going on in Vegas and sort of like a, you know, like say, it's like, here's the dish. Um, he knows about what shows are closing. He knows about all the controversies. He's got all the rumors that he, and, and he confirms them. So, uh, vital Vegas podcast. I've been listening to it pretty much for a year. So if you want to know a little bit more about Vegas from sort of an inside baseball kind of thing, that's the one to listen to. Nice. And your third thing? Um, I could channel David and say, like, check in with your financial advisor. (laughs) Okay. So your third thing. It's almost it's almost tax time. So I think we've got we pretty much has have our tax scenario shored up. We've got our tax lady on it. Um. So uh, if you haven't done that. Do that and go talk with the, your portfolio manager and if you you have know, a check, portfolio. check in on your 2020 finances. Well, you know, make a make a different goal. Yeah, don't like, wait until April 15th to go, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 We've yeah. got this great calendar that's hung up that Don got for Christmas, which is a brilliant Christmas gift. And it's basically like the fuck off calendar. I mean, every month is... it came with a whole sheet of stickers that basically say fuck off. And are there are stickers shaped like, you know, a hand flipping the bird. So it's a perfect motivational calendar and it's actually kind of funny, but, um, just stickers that say stuff like pay your fucking bills or vacation about time bitches or payday. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, find, get, get down on those chores and find things to get excited about. It's really two things. It's get the calendar that says, fuck you. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. And check it with your financial advisor. My third thing, which is motivate yourself. It's just not my third thing is yeah, yes, it's it's tax season's coming, but Mm. what really is important Mm. is I thought you had three things already. No, I Oh, you didn't start. You made me start. Yeah. That's how it always works (laughs) is, uh, is the season It's season 40. Season 40 of Survivor. Yes! Season 40 oh my of God. Survivor. There's a girl Winners at War. You gotta watch it. <laughs> Fuck off. It's I love Survivor. I want you to watch Survivor. And if you're gonna watch a Survivor, this is the one to watch because it is Survivor all people that have won transcends the show. generations. I will I will give Survivor this. There is a, a girl at the tutoring center who watches Survivor, and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. Survivor has some real staying power. I would love to just watch Survivor if it was just the challenges and I didn't have to get wrapped up in any of the drama because the and, challenges are inspired. They and, are amazing And to that watch. is exactly the opposite of how I feel about it because <laughs> what I love is the fucking intrigue. Yeah, um, and I just want the physicality. There you go. But All right. And that, watch American Gladiators. That is the <laughs> ape cast. Thank you, Dana German, for being on today. Thank you for having me.
And uh, Sorry, next, David. next week, uh, hopefully <laughs> David's will schedule, schedule will uh, allow him to be on the podcast. If not, I'm just going to go out on the street and find some homeless asshole that's living in Vegas and we'll do an ape cast. Kids on the beat. Way. Beat kids. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Ape Cast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>